will be from 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. I'll be reading from the ESV. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. You know, as we go through life, I don't know about you, but when it comes to me, sometimes it's easy for me to get sidetracked. You'll ever get sidetracked, you are talking to someone in the midst of a conversation with them and, and all of a sudden you don't remember what you're talking about or you don't remember what you were about to say. Something comes in your mind and, and all of a sudden you can't think about what it was you were talking about or maybe why you entered a room in the first place. You ever on your way somewhere and you're heading with a purpose and then you get to almost where you're headed and then you just go, what am I doing? Like, like, where, what, why was I coming into this room in the first place, you know? You ever get to the point where you forget, who was I supposed to have dinner with? Who was I supposed to hang out with? Who was I supposed to do this with or, or the other? I think this happens to all of this, but it definitely happens to me. Uh, this often happens when something comes up in my mind about something about Marvel or, or Star Wars or especially college football or LeBron James. I'm sorry, I like him. So this happens to me all the time and we often get sidetracked and forget what it is that we were doing, what it is that we were saying. And this is what happens. We, we, we're supposed to be going down the right track and all of a sudden we're in a completely different place. Does this ever happen to you? Over the last few weeks, the past couple of weeks, we've been engaged in a series here on Sunday night entitled Simplify. And it's been our goal throughout this series, the, the first few weeks of the series, to give each of us and to establish for each of us an easy-to-remember way for us to remember what we're supposed to be doing. An easy-for-us-to-remember way for us to know what God's will is for every single one of our lives. Because it doesn't matter how long someone has been in the church, it doesn't matter how spiritual someone gets, how much they study, how much they do for the church, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church, at times you forget what you were supposed to be doing. At times in your spiritual walk, at times in your life, with your walk with God, it's, it's easy for any of us to forget what it was we were supposed to be doing. The same way we get sidetracked in conversations and in life and in, and in every day, we get sidetracked in our spiritual walk with God. And it doesn't matter who you are, I, I, I believe we have to admit that this happens to each of us. We get sidetracked in our faith and forget what we were supposed to be doing 
whether it be as individuals or even as a congregation. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started with Mingu uh, preaching a great lesson on what it means to glorify God. And he talked about how our worship and our praise and even our obedience is entirely for the purposes of glorifying God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so we learned in that study that if we're ever going to please God, if we're ever going to try to please God the Father, we're going to have to start first by glorifying Him. And if we're going to glorify Him, then our focus has got to start out upward. Because that is where our glory goes, upward to Him. And then last week, Jay preached a phenomenal lesson on what it means to edify. What it means to have fellowship and discipleship and how both of those things are for the purpose of edifying one another. Literally building one another up. And exactly what it means to do that. And how when we edify one another, we fill the holes in each other's lives. And all the, thi- all the places, all the things that are missing in each other's lives. And so next to glorifying God, this is the next important thing for us to do as a body and as individuals. Is for us to edify one another. Our next focus has got to be inward once we have already looked upward. And the truth is, if we do not glorify God, if if we do not edify one another, then really there is no reason for us to engage in our study tonight. If we don't first glorify God and and look upward and and then edify one another and then look inward, then we're not ready to do And we're not ready to talk about what our lesson is on tonight. Tonight we continue, as we start this tonight, we continue to try to rediscover the simple purpose for why we are here. You know, the age-old question, why, why are we here? Why did God put us here? This is what this series is trying to answer. He brought us here to glorify His name. He brought us here to edify one another. And tonight we're going to continue to discover another reason why we were brought here. We're going to continue to simplify it for each of us to understand why we are here, why Buford Church of Christ is here, or at least why it should be here. And tonight, because we have already looked upward and because we have already looked inward, we are now ready to look outward and talk about exactly what it means to testify Christ to the world. And as we get started, this word testify, understand this brings up many thoughts, many uh, preconceived notions, many ideas up at the forefront. But what we have to realize is that this word occurs almost 100 times throughout the New Testament. This word occurs all throughout the New Testament, no matter what book you're in, at some point 
is probably going to mention this term. And the Greek term that is associated with this is marturo, or some other variations of it, martureo. And it simply means to bear witness, or witness, or testify, or testimony. And so every time we see the idea of bearing witness or, or witnessing or testifying or testimony, it's, it's a certain variation of this word here. And so sometimes that, that up front lets us know that it's a little bit difficult to understand what context, what exactly is meant by that when the text is saying it, because some translations will translate it testimony and some translations will translate it witness or bear witness. Or testifying. And so it's hard for us up front learning just from the translation what this word means. So almost any time we see this idea tonight, we have to understand that it's all encapsulating this one thought of testifying or bearing witness. And tonight we're not going to talk about what the denominational world might believe this word means. We aren't going to talk about what the denominations might say testify means. We're not going to talk about what they might have, maybe what you have heard that, that they believe it means. We're going to talk about what the first century meant by this word. What the first century thought about this word. And so tonight we're going to simplify what it means to testify by going to God's word and letting it speak for itself. And asking the question, what did this mean to the first century audience? And so if you're going to start off with the idea of testifying and the idea of bearing witness, many of us are going to automatically go to the Great Commission, right? Many of you might not know that the Great Commission is not simply found in Matthew chapter 28. It's also certain rendition found in every single gospel book. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, it says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning first at Jerusalem. And then John chapter 20 and verse 21 says, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, so I also send you. Tonight, as we get started on the idea of what it means to testify, it might shock you, but we're really not going to focus in on the Great Commission. We aren't really going to even say that these verses, these four passages of Scripture even totally encapsulate what it means to testify. You may be thinking after hearing that, well, what in the world? A, a lesson on testifying Christ to the world, and we're not even going to thoroughly examine the Great Commission? 
I mean, who, who is this guy? You know, you might be thinking, why would we not delve into a deep study on the Great Commission? But hopefully by the end of the night, you'll understand that when it comes to the Great Commission, that's merely part. Merely part of what it means to testify Christ to the world. Because by the time we get to the next book of the, ne- of the New Testament, the very next book, the book of Acts, the fifth book, written by Luke, we're going to understand that Christ has already supplemented the Great Commission with what He has to say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And what we're going to do tonight as we simplify what it means to testify, we're going to simply ask very, very fundamental questions. First one being, who are we to testify? Who are we to be going out and testifying? And that question is answered in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, if you'll turn there. We've had many studies on this verse in the past weeks and months from Kyle and from others, but this answers the question of who we are to be witnessing or testifying to. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the last thing that Jesus said to His apostles before He ascended was, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so as we look at this verse, when we ask the question, who, who are we to be testifying or witnessing? The answer is obviously Jesus. So many times in Bible class, that's always the answer, right? Well, here again, yet again, the answer is Jesus. Here in this passage, the answer of who we are to be witnessing is Jesus. Who we are supposed to be testifying about is Jesus. Because He said, with Himself, He said, You shall be witnesses to Me. And then He says, To whom we are to be witnesses. I believe that's right, grammarly. But to whom we are to be witnesses. First of all, we are to be witnesses to those who are in Jerusalem. To those who are in Judea, to those who are in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And what, the way we might understand it today when we think about these different groups. First of all, we have to wit- be witness. We have to testify Christ internationally. And that's representative of who he calls the end of the earth. When he says, you shall be witnesses to me, the ends of the earth, he's talking about way away, in in, in thousands of miles away, you must testify the name of Jesus to them. And so when we think about ourselves, we think about the international missions. We think about Scotland. We think about... uh, Nicaragua, we think about all the different China, we think about all the places that we've had impact in the past and continue to have impact today, that's us testifying Christ to the ends of the earth. And then as you zone in slowly but surely, you understand that Judea would be a national impact in that day. And so what's national for us, that's the United States of America, so we have to testify Christ to the United States of America. And then what does he mean by Samaria? Well, that could easily be seen as cross-cultural. 
You have to testify Christ to those who are not a part of the same culture as you. And, and we do that with the Korean community and with the Hispanic community in our area. That's what it means to talk about testifying Christ to those who are in Samaria, cross-cultural. And then last, as he says, Jerusalem, we can understand that, obviously, as local. We have to testify the name of Christ locally. And we do that as many of you know. And if you, if you testify Christ internationally, if you testify Christ in our nation, if you testify Christ across different cultures, and you testify Christ locally, does that leave anybody out? No, that doesn't leave anybody out. Everyone falls under one of those umbrellas, and so that's why Jesus says that's to whom we are to be witnessing or testifying the name of Christ. So as we try to simplify what it means to testify, we're going to have to realize first and foremost that we are to be witnesses of Christ abroad, throughout our country, between different cultures, and obviously especially here locally at home. You know, it's fine for us to know who we are to testify. That's one of the most obvious questions you've ever been asked. Of course we're supposed to testify Jesus. Of course we're supposed to testify Christ. It's about as obvious as it gets, but perhaps a better question or a more difficult question is why? Why do we have to testify? Why do we have to testify Christ to the world? Why has that burden, why has that challenge, why has that exhortation been put on us? And there's an answer for that in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. Jesus says, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And so the immediate question, you know, hold on, let's talk about what the ESV says here. He says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. True. So he talks about the testimony. There's that example of differencing between witness and testimony. It's interchangeable, right? But here in the text, Jesus says, I mean, what is he trying to say? Why would Jesus' testimony not be enough? You know, the, the initial reaction we have is, why can't you testify about yourself? If anybody's testimony matters, it's yours, Jesus. You are the Son of God. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are all-present. Your testimony counts more than anyone else's. Or at least it does in our book, right? And so the initial question we have and, and the initial apprehension we might have to this is asking, why is Jesus not enough? Why is His testimony not enough? Shouldn't His testimonies of all testimonies be the one that is actually valid? Be the one that we should listen to. And you see, it's obviously not about Jesus' testimony being weak or Jesus' testimony not being valid. What Jesus is trying to say is, I have to have others. Others have to testify on my behalf. Others must testify that I am the Christ, that I am the Son of God. Others must bear witness and give account to the world that I am who I say that I am. 
Because if I'm the only one testifying, if I'm the only one saying I'm the Messiah, then what is that going to look like to those who do not believe? It's going to look like I'm crazy. I have to depend on others to testify on my behalf. You know why? Later in that same book, in John chapter 8 and verse 13, the Pharisees give us the answer why. In John chapter 8 and verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. And so here's an example for us to understand when it comes to why we have to testify. It's because Jesus can't testify for himself without looking like he's crazy. That's what the Pharisees said. Your testimony's not true. You testify of yourself. That's not enough. And so Jesus depends on us to testify. He depended on His disciples and His apostles to testify back in the times of the Bible. You may not understand what's going on here, what I'm trying to say, but I want you to imagine that you're in a court. You're in a court of law. Let's say that you have not done the thing that you are said to be guilty of. Let's say that you have not been guilty of whatever the case is that you are on trial for. And let's also add to the equation that you have no alibi. You have no witnesses that are there to corroborate whatever story you've come up with. You have no eyewitness testimony. And all you have is the fact that you say that you didn't do it. How's that going to work out? How's it going to work out to the lawyer who has all this wealth of information, all this supposed evidence that it was you? How's it going to work out? Now obviously our Lord had a lot more evidence due to the miracles, due to the signs, due to the wonderful things and and, and the supernatural abilities that he had to prove and to confirm that this was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. But as we think about this tonight, Jesus needs us, especially today, to testify his name to the world. Because no one here today has seen Jesus do those things. No one living today has been able to witness those things that Jesus did. And so it's incumbent upon us to testify the name of Jesus to the world. That He is the Christ. That He is the Messiah. That He is the Son of God. And if the world is going to believe that, they must depend on us to express that and to testify that to them. Why do we have to testify, the question is? Well, because Jesus has called on us to do so. And that is exactly what we must do. So now we know the who when it comes to testifying. We know the why when it comes to testifying. But what about the where? Where are we called to testify? And that's found in Luke chapter 21, verse 12. But as we go there, we have to understand, again, the answer was a little bit different for the first century Christians than it is for us. But as you go there, Luke chapter 21 and verse 
12 it says, But before all these things they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore settle it within your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. The ESV says there in the passage, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. And so what he's saying is, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, John, and, and, and a little bit later in Acts 4, he's not talking about Acts 4, but he said Acts 4 and Acts 5, when you're repeatedly brought before the, the Sanhedrin, when you're brought before these rulers and the synagogues, and, and hey, Paul, when you're brought before all these different people and rulers. Hey, Barnabas and Silas and, and all the people that went around with Paul, when you're brought before these people, it's going to be okay. Because when you're brought before these people, this is your chance to bear witness. When you're brought before all these people for my name's sake, this is your chance to testify on my behalf. And so it will be an opportunity for you, Jesus said in the Luke passage. He says, you are going to testify of me, for me, before the kings, before the rulers, before the synagogues, before the prisons, before your parents, before your brothers, before your relatives, and before your friends. And guess what? He says it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's not always going to be a success story when you testify, when you bear witness to my name. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be delivered up. You're, some of you are even going to be put to death. And every single one of you will be hated by all for my name's sake, Jesus said. But he also says, everywhere you go, regardless of who you are in front of, I will be with you. And I will be with your mouth. And your adversaries will not be able to contradict you. What you have to say in your wisdom will be irrefutable. And so when it comes to testifying, we know the who. We know we are to testify Jesus. And when it comes to testifying, we know the why, because He has called on us and depends on us. Now we know where. And that's everywhere. We are to testify to Jesus everywhere. Whether it's in front of the rulers, whether it's in front of the kings, whether it's in front of synagogues, whether it's in front of our parents, whether it's in front of our brothers, whether it's in front of our relatives or friends. Again, a pretty comprehensive list Jesus gives right there, isn't it? You shall be witnesses of me everywhere. 
And so it's great for us to know the who, the why, the where. But still, on most of your minds tonight, the biggest question is, what? What does testifying entail? What does bearing witness of Christ for Christ, wherever Christ needs me to, what does that all mean if I don't understand the what? Then I'm afraid the rest of it doesn't matter. And so let's talk about the what. You know, so many times it's hard for us to understand, especially with the idea of testifying, what that entails because of what the denominational world has done. We know we should testify. We know we have to testify. We know where. But it can be confusing to know exactly what testifying means. What do I say? And it's difficult for us because unlike those first century Christians, we don't have the measure of the Holy Spirit that's going to tell us exactly what to say when we're brought before those groups of people. So what do I say? Well, that's where 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. What an amazing way to simplify it there, John. Testifying is not about us. Testifying and bearing witness is not about us. It's not about you. It's always and always will be about the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that we have through Him. John says it. He says, listen, if you're confused on what the testimony is, if you're confused on what it means to bear witness, this is the testimony. It's almost like he's clearing up the confusion on the matter for us tonight. Like, hey, if you're wondering what testifying means or what it means to uh, testify, this is the testimony. First of all, that God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. Second of all, that life is found through His Son. He who has the Son has life. But he who does not have the Son does not have life. And it doesn't get any more simplified than that. So we understand the who, we understand the why, we understand the where, we understand even the what. But sometimes the greatest question, the absolute hardest question to answer is how. How do I testify? How do I place myself in situations where I can bear witness to Jesus? where I can tell others that God has given us eternal life. And if they want eternal life, it has to come through Jesus. How do I get myself in that situation? How? And I wish there was a very easy, simplified answer for you on this one tonight, as there was with the other questions. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all answer for this one. 
I wish I could give you some golden uh, formula for testifying Christ to the world when it comes to how. I, 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 I wish there was some one answer that I could say, you do this and it will be great. But the fact of the matter is, we're all different, are we not? So it's going to take all kinds to get all kinds. And so when it comes to the answer on how to testify, it's a little bit more difficult because Jesus said it Himself. Sometimes testifying me is going to bring upon you pain, suffering. Sometimes it will bring upon you persecution. In our world today, we might not get those things, but we will get awkwardness, right? We will get discomfort, right? Maybe sometimes we will get mocked, right? But what we have to see tonight and talk about tonight is the fact that if we don't testify Christ to the world, then who will? If we don't testify, if we don't bear witness for Christ, of Christ, wherever Christ needs us to, and say what He has told us to say, then who will? I can't give you lightning in a bottle for the answer of how to testify because there's simply too many ways for us to testify. And that's the beauty of it. You don't need some special way no one's ever thought of. You don't need some golden formula, some one-size-fits-all way to testify because that's the beauty of the gospel. We don't have to discover some new revolutionary way. In fact, if we think we've come upon it, we might need to step back a little bit because the gospel does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we think about how we testify, we do this by outreach. That's how we testify. We reach out across the world, in our country, across cultures, and here locally. And so I want to talk about the two branches of outreach. The two things that fall underneath the umbrella of outreach. Some of us are very ready to just say, evangelism, that's it. That's my job, minister of evangelism. Some of us have, 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 are all in on that. Here am I, send me. I am ready to teach. I am ready to preach. I am ready to fill that great commission. Go ye into all the world. That's me, I'm ready. But tonight as we think about what it means to testify Christ to the world, it's only half of the equation. We also have to serve the world. We also have to be benevolent. Maybe you've heard that word. In our kindness, in our love for the world. When we think about evangelism, we think about teaching, we think about preaching, we think about ser sermons, we think about all the different things that we've probably done. We think about door knocking, we think about all these other projects and events that we've had in the past. And we think about service and we might not even know what to think. 
But when we think about service, we've got to understand what Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, where it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so when our evangelism and teaching is working in tandem with our service and benevolence, that is where we fully testify Christ to the world. That is what it is meant to bear witness to Christ. When we only focus on evangelism and teaching, then the world won't care how much we know because we haven't shown them how much we care. And conversely, when we only focus on service and benevolence, then the world won't care about Jesus because they don't know that they need to know about Him because they haven't been taught. So when our evangelism works together with our service, that is outreach. That is testifying Christ to the world. So tonight, as we begin to look at ourselves and realize if all we ever do is look upward by glorifying God, then we're going to neglect looking inward by edifying one another. And also, if all we ever do is look upward and all we ever do is look inward, then we will be guilty of not looking outward towards the lost who need Jesus. The fact is that most of us here tonight probably already knew the answer to all these questions. You knew that the who was Jesus. You knew that the why is because He depends on us. You knew that the where was wherever you might go. You knew the what was the good news of salvation that Jesus has given. And you knew the how was through evangelism and service. But the problem is the knowledge of these things does not necessitate the practice of these things. Just because you know what you should be doing does not mean that you are doing it. Just because you have the knowledge, you have the understanding, does not mean that you are then practicing, that you are then applying. And that is the problem tonight. As we ask ourselves, Am I fulfilling the fundamental purpose God has given me to testify His Son? The first answer to this question is, I did. I did at one point in my life, many years ago, before you were even thought of, Ben, I testified Christ to the world. I went on door-knocking campaigns. I went across the world to mission work. And I've done so many things to testify the name of Christ, and so we rely on our past success when we ask that question to ourselves. The second response you might give is, I don't. I don't testify Christ to the world. You know why? Because someone else is going to do it. I can rely on Ben. I, I, I can rely on the elders. I can rely on you know, whoever else to testify Christ to the world. That's the second response you can have that question. The third response that I've found is you have people that say, I do testify Christ to the world. But even with those people, they struggle with only remembering the rejection that comes from testifying and bearing witness to Christ. 
And so when this happens, whether you have someone says that I did in the past or I don't right now or I do, but I only remember rejection, when this happens, no one is testifying Christ to the world. No one is bearing witness to the good news that God has delivered eternal life through His Son. No one is testifying of Christ, for Christ, where He calls us to go and in what manner we are called to go. And when this happens, at that point, it doesn't matter how because the job will never get done. The truth is, it may be the truth that you can go your entire life just glorifying God. You can go your entire life just edifying one another. But if at the end of your life, all you ever did was glorify and edify, what was it all for? Because you never testified the name of Christ. And the sad thing to that tonight is for us to understand, regardless of whether we testify Him, and whether we bear witness to Him in this life, when it comes to the life to come, He's going to testify on our behalf, whether good or bad. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, it says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together and so when we think about our lives we think about ourselves and we understand that I may be glorifying God all day long I may be edifying God or or one another all day long but when it comes to testifying Christ I never do that And if that's the case, the Spirit Himself will bear witness to that fact. He says it right here, the Spirit Himself will bear witness that we are children of God. And the greatest if is right there. And if children, then we will receive as joint heirs. Back in 1 John 5 and verse 13, after giving the the testimony, John says why he wrote the book. After saying God has given us eternal life, this life is through His Son. He who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He says, these things are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. So tonight as we think about ourselves and what it means to testify, the question has to be, do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know right now as you are sitting tonight, wherever you are online or with us tonight in person, do you know that you have eternal life? Because that is why we have been given the gift of Jesus. That is why we have something to testify. 
That is why we need to bear witness to the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from our sins, and that we have eternity with Him. If you don't feel that way tonight, then why not get that right as together we stand and sing for your encouragement? Yeah.